Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 245 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. As ever, thank you to our Patreon supporters, without whom we could not produce this podcast. And if you like what you hear, and you think you'd like to support us in some little way, go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile, where you will find a link to a drop-down box, and our Patreon page and a merch page can be found on that link. But if not, that is absolutely fine because this content is free for all. So what's been happening since last episode? Um, so what's been happening since the last episode? Um, oh, I've been asked to do something with the All About Art podcast in the middle of April, but I'll tell you more about that. But I'll tell you more about that nearer the time. In the middle of March... I've been asked to record an appeal for Kirstler Arts on Radio 4. That's something I'm very much looking forward to. But enough about me. Let's focus on today's guest, who is the urban artist, Endless. I first saw his work a couple of years ago when we got chatting on Instagram, maybe just over a year ago. And I did ask him to come on. And because of timings either side, it didn't really work out until a few months ago, but... Yeah, we're finally here. 
In this episode, Endless speaks about being able to, well, literally reinvent himself in London after moving from rural Suffolk. And he also speaks of how he came to be working with Gilbert and George for some time after they took an interest in his work, as well as a performance at the Venice Biennale. But that's just the headlines. Come and find out the details from the man himself. Endless. Hello, sir. How are you? Good. How are you? Not bad. And where are you? Uh, South East London. I heard your interview with, um, what's his name, the the presenter that does pris- the prison stuff? Raphael. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's when it. I was on his. Yeah, that was oh, good. We... I like that. But yeah, Raph's good, isn't he? Oh, yeah, I'm Raph for... And he just did another one that got released yesterday about the guy who was um, the biggest drug lord and now he's an artist. I can't remember the guy's oh, name. Oh, is he a scars fella? Yeah, yeah. Is his name Stephen? Might be, yeah. Yeah, he was he he was he was massive. I can't remember his name. Might yeah, I'm halfway him. through it. It's quite interesting. The first half he's just talking about his drug, his drug cartel and how he did all that. And it's quite interesting because he doesn't um big it up. He's just like that was a business. Yeah. We just ran it as a business back then. There wasn't violence like you see in the films. There wasn't all that stuff. It was just I'm shipping that to there. Give me the money. It's just a process. Yeah, the process. And it was illegal, but he was from a poor estate and he that was his way out. It's just a story, isn't it? It's interesting. Yeah, I know he's a fascinating fella. Yeah. But then but then when you get to like the PR and people talking about it, and especially in the art world, they need the story. That's the story that sells the work. Yeah. And he he kind of struggles with that because his work should sell the work, but people are more interested in that backstory. Yeah, it's important. Like you can fight your own story because you don't you want to get away from it, but it's always part of what you do. Yeah. There's no shame in it. There's no like from where you've come from, that's that's an extreme story. Less about my backstory. Uh, Let's yeah. have a little bit about yours. Yeah. So today I'm speaking with Endless. And how are you, mate? I know we've been chatting for a little while already. Yeah, we've already done two hours talking. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm well known. Anyone who's who's um, been on here, they'll tell you that I'm. I'm well I thought we'd done that. the interview. I thought we'd finished. <laughs> yeah, and goodbye. <laughs> um, endless. I have several questions I ask every artist or every yeah. guest. The first being, how would you explain what you do to someone that didn't know your work? Um, the easiest way I always find is to say I'm an artist, contemporary street art, graphics. I just throw out words like that. Um, I don't think you can sometimes explain things that are so visual and it's easier just to show someone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think all artists go through this kind of weird stage when you feel in yourself you become an artist and then someone asks what you do. And then the first time you say you're an artist... You either think that someone's going to slam you down or laugh at you. Or whatever, <laughs> but yeah, I, I always keep it pretty vague because it's visual. So you need to show them the visuals to explain it. Did you have trouble first saying you was an artist? Yeah. So when you say it the first time, it can sound arrogant to some people, I guess. You, that you I think, think the street artists brought that perception back down to earth, didn't they? For, for people yeah. who weren't into art you know yeah exactly it's more inclusive it's everyday life it's it's for everyone and sometimes i'll say i'm an artist and then people will say immediately 
I don't know anything about art or I don't I don't know artists or anything but they see visuals all around them every day yeah so you don't need to be in the art world you just need to be in the world there's visuals you're watching tv magazines like you said street art it's everywhere yeah i was the same with um like classical music when i was speaking to someone i said oh, i don't know classical music and then they went well what's this one pulled up yeah. their phone and then song after song i was going oh yeah i know that that's that advert that's that advert yeah, yeah that's true yeah even through like you said classical music you don't you don't need to know the history of it or study it but you know what it is yeah where was growing up for you? I grew up in the countryside in Suffolk, near to where um, Maggie Hamlin lives. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right out there. So there wasn't much going on in terms of art um, or anything. Just sheep and uh, cows. But, Although there is that little bit on the coast there, isn't there? there yeah, there's a few things going on. But not, when you're younger, you don't really know what the art world is. You're kind of... Uh, I was at school, I was always drawing, I was always painting, doing art. And then I knew that that was something that I was interested in, but didn't know how. So then I went to college, Suffolk College, for three years and studied where kind is, of... Where is Suffolk College? Obviously uh, that's in, Suffolk. But... In Ipswich, yeah. So that's the major town from all of those countryside little towns. Yeah. That's the major kind of... I think it's a town, not a city. So that has the big college in it. And they did a huge art course and you could just do everything, uh, photography, fine art, printmaking. And that's kind of where I found out what I wanted to specialize in. And it was kind of the graphics, printmaking, but fine art as well is kind of variable. But then from there, I went on to university, um, Cambridge School of Art. And uh, that's where I specialized in fine art and printmaking. So, yeah, you kind of find out what you want to do as you go along. It's not like straight and what away. Were your inspirations no around about that time? I guess I was seeing a lot of kind of graffiti street art as it was growing up in popularity. But then we were studying history of art. So we were studying every, every single artist you can think. And we were having lectures. And so it was a mix of these two kind of classical art forms, contemporary art, street art, a bit of everything. And what was you pulling into your work at the time? And or what uh, was you creating at the time? I was really like interested in layers and kind of experimenting with different techniques. So I do like drawing, then screen print over the top, then digital printing over the top of that. So it was mixing all of these layers because I thought that's kind of like how life is. It's all layered and everything you see you get you're getting bombarded with visuals like tv magazine so i thought it was interesting to layer these and comment in, on how life is with the layering and different yeah. techniques but also it's an experiment like each each time i do something it's an experiment and you learn from it so there's a that kid growing up in suffolk was there any creativity in the home yeah, my mum was always creative. We were always drawing, doing things. And my dad is more of a technical kind of drawer, really good at um, illustration, doing fine line drawings. So I was always encouraged to be creative. Um, and then at school, that's where I thought it wasn't creative because art lessons at, at school level was this is right, this is wrong, this is what you have to do. But then as soon as I got to college, it was like, do what you want. 
yeah. happens. Yeah. You could, and everything's right, and we're not going to tell you what to do. And you'd call your teachers by their first name. It's completely different. It was more <laughs> relaxed. And the teachers became your mentor and your friend. And that's when I knew this is kind of the way I want to go. And, and where did you start going then once you had that bit of freedom? When I had the freedom, I was just experimenting with all of the techniques, like I said, and doing everything, really. Just finding out where I wanted to go. When you're that young, you can't, you shouldn't pin all yourself to one thing. You should just do everything. Yeah, yeah, nice. I still feel like I am doing everything. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so... Uni, did uni come along? Um, yeah, so at university, we we were more specialised, so I studied printmaking more. Um, we were still doing fine art, philosophy, history of art, but that's where I kind of, like, pushed my techniques and you learned more. And was you using... Had... How can I put this? Had Endless come about yet? No, not, not the name Endless, no. I was still... I think every all artists are always experimenting, but then I was just trying everything and I didn't want to go with one philosophy, with one idea. I, I was still living. And I think when you're that young, you shouldn't say, I, I'm, I'm this artist, I'm doing this. There's so much to explore in life as well, not just physical art. And what was you then, sort of 19, 20? Yeah, a bit older, I think 20, at the end of uni, 22 maybe, yeah. So that's so young, you don't want to push too much. Oh, of course. Yeah. So when and how did Endless come about? So then after I'd finished uni, then you just get put out into the real world and you're like, how, especially doing printmaking with all that equipment and to make to make the art you're making at uni would cost too much and you haven't got all of that. Yeah. So um, I knew I wanted to be in London. I like the energy of London and London was where everything was happening. So I moved from Cambridge to London, um, did kind of odd jobs, but I was always doing art on the side. And to make that layering, um, the techniques that I learned at uni, I was looking at um, cutting stencils, which is kind of like the street art technique. And it's the same as screen, screen printing. You do stencils when you start screen printing before you go to digital screen prints. So it's just the same thing, but I was doing stuff on Photoshop, cutting stencils. Um, and then it took me, I was doing all sorts of things in London. And then it took me about nine, 10 years of living in London before I started becoming endless and doing stuff on the street. I like the name endless because I had endless creativity, endless ideas. It was a positive word, nice, simple word. Um, yeah, and I wanted to convey mystery about it as well, isn't it? bit of mystery yeah um yeah and I wanted to convey kind of that positivity but also it had a philosophy you can put any word in front of endless endless creativity or like endless politics endless you can do anything with it yeah, yeah, so it yeah. kind of worked so yeah I just started going around kind of East London pasting up work doing stencils um and I did it for like four nights a week for about four or five years before it kind of built up into social media photos, people were taking photos, tagging me, and then galleries kind of came at the end, but that took a long time. And what, but what year was it when the galleries started taking an interest? 
I did my first show as an Endless in 2016, I think, with Graphic Gallery in Portobello Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they saw my work on the street and then they just contacted me and we kind of built this show together. And it was like the first Endless show and it was a huge success because I put so much work on the street, enough people knew and they all came to the show. So it it kind of like showed this uh, ground PR kind of thing that I was doing really worked because they physically came to the show, which is it's it's hard to get to people to come to things, especially in London. And if you was looking for anonymity, how was you on your first exhibition? I always wear a mask, um, so I wear the mask at the exhibition like a bandana. Um, and I find I found that interesting as well because I wanted to be anti like the selfie, the face that goes with the art. I wanted to create uh, a different look. I don't want to stand next to my art smiling or have this kind of I don't want to come across as happy or sad. It's just like a blank yeah, black yeah, yeah. area around my face. So I like that idea and the and the fact that no one knows who you are it gives a bit of mystery. So yeah, when people come, I talk to them all the time, but I just wear the mask. I'm not massively strict, but I try to keep it as the mask and the word endless, because yeah. it becomes the, its own brand in a way. Of course. And are the bandanas you've got, are they your own brand now? or No, they're just you... black, black they? ones that I've found. Yeah, I've got like three or four that have got a lot of sweat on them at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all white around the edges. Yeah, yeah, I have to wash them every so often. But when you're, bre when you're breathing through a bandana, especially at an exhibition, you get really hot, and it's not it's, it's not that nice. <laughs> and have you thought of going anywhere else, or will it always be the bandana? Yeah, for now, the bandana. I've thought of other ideas, but yeah, I think the bandana is... It's just easy. It's like you've got it in your pocket, and it's there. Um, although since COVID... We've all got used to speaking to people with a mask, and yeah, exactly. wearing masks isn't the the thing it used to be, is it? Yeah, we were doing events like not through the serious part of COVID, but towards the bits where we could, and people would come to the event in a mask, and then it was like we're all the same. Yeah. And I've been doing this for ages, <laughs> but yeah, that was quite funny. Well, which is the piece that you've created? Do you think has got the strongest emotional connection? be it with you or others i always say the last piece i've made because that's where i've given my emotion last but um i've got a piece which is the queen with the tongue out yeah, yeah. i've repeated that loads of times and people really connect with that and i'm not i'm not doing it as like a royalist or although i am a little bit of a royalist i'm not doing it to promote that it's more to do with the way we thought of the queen like the queen was everywhere in our houses on our on our money it was kind of like an era and now now she's gone it becomes even stronger so yeah i think people connect with that because they've grown up with the queen yeah somewhere. and we all know that face but when it's yeah. doing something different like with the eyes shut or blowing the bubble gum yeah and poking the tongue out yeah, yeah the tongue just... i got actually from a real photo of the queen she did poke her tongue out Oh, did she? Uh, yeah, there is a photo of her with her tongue out. So I wanted to show that kind of fun side of her that you don't normally see, but it has been captured in Re real life. In all the regalia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kind of serious and fun. 
yeah, you've used that one for quite a while and you've done it on as in murals as well, haven't you? Yeah, I've done that one quite a while. I've done that one and then I've got another one that's like a Chanel bottle that's called Chapel. Yeah. Which is the idea that we go to the shops which are cathedrals and the brands are our kind of new religion. So the chapel is where you'd go to buy your perfume. Um, done that one, and then I've got another one where it's um, Mark Wahlberg grabbing his crotch from a yeah. Calvin Klein advert. It was like in the in the eighties or nineties, the Calvin Klein advert, and I kind of remastered that to Calvin Classics, which is kind of a play on the fake Calvin Klein you get on the market stores. Yeah, of course, yeah. So they're my three that I've kind of stuck with, and then there's loads of others that other visuals that come along. And you've done a few. I don't know if you'd call them performance, but you've done a few performance type works as well. I see when we first, well, when I first got in touch with you, maybe, what was that, maybe a year ago? Yeah. More. Yeah. Um, yeah, you was, uh, was that a, a fashion? Uh, that that was in uh, the Venice Biennale when we did the Biennale. So we did the opening event and um, we had a sponsor, Elisabetta Franchi. She's a, Italian fashion designer and she stood with her dress Brilliant. and then I sprayed it live and yeah everyone was watching so yeah there's kind of a performance element I always thought street art is like a performance if you filmed graffiti or artists or street artists doing their thing that is a performance in itself and how did that go down at the Biennale Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That performance went down quite well. I mean, I, I did some press after it and they were like, oh, it's very controversial that you did this on. But yeah, I didn't find it any, any controversy. In that. <laughs> but yeah, generally when I do things in Italy, they're really supportive. I think the Italian culture with art is completely different to how we grow up in this country. Okay. They, they grow up learning about art from an early age. They respect it and they're very positive. I thought when I came over as the Englishman into their country, it looks a bit arrogant when you kind of go, look, look at all my work. I'm in your country. I want the press. But they were really, really supportive and they, they seemed to like what I was doing. And did you stay out there for any longer than just a Biennale? Well, we did the, the show at the Biennale. So that I was the first street artist within the Biennale ever, Brilliant. within one of the um, within, in one of the palaces. It was for uh, San Marino we did it for. Nice. So you do it, each, each uh, country has like a palace or a, a show on. Um, yeah, so I was one of the first street artists, which was like a 
fairly big thing. Um, we got a bit of press from that and I did a huge installation where we made these wooden panels and I did paste ups like I do on the street. But yeah, it was massive. Um, so that took about two weeks to set up out there. And then, yeah, that was good. That was really good. Yeah, having a Venice Biennale on your CV is not a bad thing, is it? Yeah, it's good. Even if I do it just once, you know, that's <laughs> a, nice, a nice thing to do. But also very interesting to see how Venice works when there's so many artists coming in. And, I mean, the price of everything goes up and building structures is absolute craziness. Well, I'd only been once. My friend Lee took me for my 50th and I was properly blown away. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, we just done two days there. Could have easily done four or five. Yeah, you can be there for a week and not see it, see it all. So yeah, there's loads to see, and they're all. It's all so different as well. It's not like an art fair where you go around an art fair and it feels like you're in IKEA of the art world. It's just like stall after stall of similar things. There is everything's different, and you've yeah. got Venice as well, the best backdrop ever. Yeah, it don't get much better than that, does it? No. If there was you and five other artists, past and present, what do you think your ideal group show would be? Um, I don't know. I've, I've never thought about group shows, really, because I always think when you're an artist, it's so personal that you always want to do your own thing. And, like, in a group show, it has to be curated in a certain way. Um, but there are artists that I like and that I would uh, do a show with that I think would be completely different. I don't know if you've ever heard of Ez Devlin. She she does like this stage stage design and um, it's more kind of installations, projections and sculptures. And I find her work really interesting. While you're and, talking, I'm going to go and have a look. I'll, yeah, I'll, have a I'll look. Probably when I see it. It's ES and then Devlin, but she does literally drawings. Oh, and I, didn't, I didn't know it. And yeah, they're gorgeous. Yeah, she does a lot of paperwork and then she does these huge installation wow. stage shows. Yeah, stage design, projections and sculptures, really. I've never heard of her. No, she's That's really amazing. Good. Yeah. And then and then another, and then I'd think I'd go for kind of like in the fashion world. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Rick Owens. He's this fashion designer and he's created his own world. It's kind of androgynous, um, it's sculptural fashion, it's all black. It's But when he does um, catwalk shows, he has kind of balls of fire coming across the thing. It's insane. So I like these people that are creating their own worlds. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really enjoy the fact that you could look into that world and see how their whole brain is thinking. And then another one I'd probably go for is Karl Lagerfeld, but not through the fashion. He was a really good photographer. So his photographs, he he has some amazing black and white photography that doesn't really get seen because he's known as this fashion designer. So I think that that would be strong in a show. And then, of course, Gilbert and George, um, they're kind of my, my favourite artists. But I not did see that um, picture of you standing between them. Yeah. With half cropped face, I thought that was great. I in one of their works in 2014, um, they used some of my uh, street art in one of their works, Brilliant. and then we kind of got in touch with each other and we've done things throughout. Um, 
yeah and they've been kind of mentors to me but I really like how they live as artists not just their artwork yeah. they're like full-on like how they live is their art as well um, and again their artwork layering and stuff I think this kind of combination of uh, projections fashion layering of art photography that's how my mind works so a show like that I think would be the most interesting show yeah well they wrote well I wrote to them when I was away and they returned they sent loads and loads of stuff and on my first or second day out of jail when I was allowed to go into London to visit galleries um I had their address popped round and that was a quite an experience to meet them yeah I'd sort of like heard a lot about them read a lot about them I hadn't seen them because I had no compute no access to computers or anything like that so I'd seen no moving images of them but um yeah, it was a little bit overwhelming really to sort of go into their house and sit chatting to them it felt like I was in in a a movie of sorts you know yeah, when you study art and you see these kind of legends of art and then you meet them like that in their house, in their studio, it is very surreal to start with. It's like I've, I felt like, like a Mr. Ben character. I'd sort of stepped into the books that I'd been reading. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you've studied that and you you really feel how kind of they feel and you understand them and then you meet them they always say don't meet don't meet your heroes or don't meet people that you admire because it's never as good but when you meet them it is as good <laughs> <laughs> no that's yeah that's something that wouldn't happen too often isn't it yeah and and they're so nice because when you look at some of their work um it can be a bit out there and you think these guys are crazy like they're mad they're mad people but when you meet them they're just the nicest normal people um what would you do if you wasn't an artist um i'm not sure like i always think about that because sometimes you think that it could all come to an end pretty quick as well um but yeah it would be something creative um maybe in fashion maybe in design more or there's you know the word art is so vast there's so much that you could do with creativity so yeah probably look for a different avenue within that design fashion world would you ever consider creating art as you the person behind the mask as it were well yeah i do that's what i do the, the mask is just for like pr whatever but the work that i make when i look back i went back at christmas um to my parents and I was looking at old work that I did when I was 16, 17 and there's so many similarities like I've obviously hopefully got a little bit better but there's so many similarities that's who I am that's your identity you can't if someone says oh go and paint like that you could but it's not who you are so yeah I, that is me endless is like the persona the kind and of thing could, could you create work outside of the persona different artwork you mean different yeah. style different uh yeah i could but it wouldn't be the same it wouldn't be like my passion or what i was what i was trying to say and how i make it it's kind of developed naturally when you start selling work you're in this kind of like commercial commercial art world um and then you start thinking in a different way even if you think you don't think in that way 
you're like oh what what do people like or what does sales and then you kind of subconsciously even if you think you're not doing it you're always thinking of another reason like it's not purely the raw way and yeah, everyone goes oh i don't want to be commercial but yeah. everyone's making commercial work yeah, if you sell one thing you're a commercial <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah exactly and then and then people yeah like to say they're not commercial or i don't want i hate commercial work but it's just words <laughs> and what is it you're doing at the moment talking of um creating artwork um i'm just working on new work in the studio um and then once i've got a body of work that i'm happy with then i'll create an exhibition from that um and there's loads of different things in the pipeline that aren't 100 percent. so yeah but at the moment i'm just focusing on the work and like sometimes there's too much going on with press things or exhibitions and then you become the flavor of the month but then you also need all of that time just to think and make new work yeah um, so you need a team around you that knows you need you need six months you need even longer just to go into that dark hole and just make the work because a lot of people want to be artists but they don't like most of the time i'm on my own just making the work um or doing street art sometimes but it's pretty much in the studio all the time on my own listening to your podcast oh good man i listen to so many podcasts because i used to listen to music when i was making work but it's good but i rather listen to people talking and kind of like gain some knowledge while i'm working and yeah. more relaxing well uh, i found years ago when i was creating artwork and had music on it used to affect my work yeah but like if i was listening to pink floyd for instance it would be it would have essence of pink floyd yeah. in it even yeah. you know it'd be a bit more sort of slower artwork and if i was listening to a bit of garage or something then it true, yeah. have a different flavor yeah and if you're listening to an interview you're not as affected you're just learning so your yeah. mind is in a different place Which more relaxed when we was having a conversation before we started the essence of this podcast was you're just overhearing a conversation that's going on in front of you or next door or yeah the window or something you know and that's the most interesting interview sometimes yeah more casual I'm, yeah when i was at uni and it was a, the artists were all together, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. I'd be painting in the corner and then you are listening to all these conversations yeah. and you're a part of them, although you're not a part of them, you know, mm -hmm. keeps your company. Yeah, that's true. When you're at uni, it's completely different because you're, it's a group thing. But then when you become an artist in real life, you're on your own. So now you've got your podcast as your group. <laughs> So where are you looking, doing your, your next exhibition? Is it sort of lined up at all? Or is it just... No, it's not lined up. On, for, this, for this amount of work, I'm, I'm trying to do like 20, 30 canvases, maybe even more, and then think how that should look in an exhibition, then find the space and find someone to work with to make that happen, Got you. rather yeah. than find the space first. You bring people in to curate, do you? Uh, I work with my gallery, um, Chris Contini Contemporary Gallery. They're, they're Italian-based, but they, before COVID, they had a um, gallery near Bond Street. And we work together on producing shows. So, yeah, they curate it. I always think, like, I basically can curate it. I know what it needs to look like. So they just help me put it together. Yeah, you give them the outlines and yeah. get them to do, yeah, to put yeah. it together. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. yeah. 
that's and we work really well together and there's so much work that goes into doing a big exhibition that you don't see you just walk in but you don't see even the wording on the wall takes hours to sort of put on and hanging takes a few days yeah how long have you been with him uh for like four years four or five years now so yeah we've done a lot of big good things in italy and in london before covid um we were doing exhibitions in london um but in italy we did um uffizi we donated a piece there for the first street artist to donate in the uffizi gallery and then we did the biennale and then we've done two museum shows in italy as well so yeah it's going quite good in italy i don't even speak italian (laughs) have you started no because i go out there two or three weeks two weeks and i kind of get a little bit and then i go and i forget it all hello and goodbye is all you need unless i can say some things on menus if i need food but yeah that's about it (laughs) but i'm a classic british kind of i I know english so that's universal (laughs) my son went to bulgaria my son's got a bulgarian girlfriend and he went to visit her family with her and um He's picked up a few little words. And when he came back from Bulgaria, he went, I even ordered my own dessert. I went, what did you have? He said, souffle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you just put a bit of an accent twang on something and you speak the language. He ordered a French dessert in Bulgaria and thinks he's um, a sort of uh, wizard, you know. Yeah. (laughs) If you put the twang on it, it's always the... The dodgy way of saying stuff, but yeah, you think you know the language. We're saying that I dropped him off to the airport this morning. They've both got to Paris for the right. uh, for the weekend. Yeah, so he'll, he'll be, be saying ordering, it all. Yeah. He'll be ordering souffles till he's uh yeah till like he comes home, will he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where can anyone find you, be it website or social media? I always post on Instagram, so that's endless artist, and that's my main kind of output. Then. I've got the website Endless the Artist, but that doesn't get updated as regularly. So yeah, Instagram's my main output. I went on there um, a couple of days ago. Mm. I like your homepage there. Yeah. Because it it sort of just shuffles, doesn't it? It has a little. I yeah, it, it has a little image. glitch. Yeah. A little glitch on and it, then yeah. that that happened. I liked that. Yeah, we tried to make it a bit different. The video. I think. Well, to tell you the truth, I looked at it and I thought. I, I mean, I haven't got a website. I've got like a landing. Page yeah. sort of thing. But when I saw that little glitch, I thought, oh, I like that. Yeah. I'm going to nick that when I, when I get yeah, a website. Should. Yeah. I think everyone now is basically social media based and people have the website, but everything's social media. Yeah. But the only thing is with that is that I used to be on Facebook and everything was on there and I haven't been on Facebook now for months. Yeah. So then I moved it all to um instagram yeah but then who's to say yeah you never know another one doesn't come along you know so i think the website is is um is you got a it safety net for everyone yeah that's true yeah you got something strong on the internet yeah all right mate well that's that's every question asked mate that was quick yeah thank you very much for your time that's right hopefully you come to the next exhibition or come and see me in my studio I definitely will do a studio yeah. visit. I'd like. Yeah, come along. I don't do as many of them anymore. We'll talk about world domination and other things. All right, have a good day. Thanks Thank for having me, mate. Right. See you later Thank on. You soon. Bye. Bye now.
Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. It's a podcast that's produced with the help of the listener. And if you like what you've heard, and you think you might be able to give a little support, there's two ways in which you can do it. If you go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile, you'll find a Linktree drop-down box. And in that box, you'll find two links. One is called Buy Us A Coffee, and it's pretty much that. You can make a one-off payment the price of a cup of coffee. Or, if you're able and want to do it more long-term, you can become a Ministry of Arts Patreon, where you can sign up to support us on a monthly basis. And 100% of your support goes back into the podcast. And if you're not able to do that, that's absolutely fine. This content is free for everyone. But we would urge you to follow us on your socials and show us a bit of love that way. Either way, thanks for listening and see you next time. Ta-da. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.